Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the CBETS podcast. I am here and I'm excited because we're going to be talking about how media impacts our theology. And unfortunately, you're not being greeted by Georgie today because she's on vacation uh, this week. But I'm, I am joined today by my friend Mike Bickle, and I'm excited that you're able to uh, fill that gap. Ruben, <laughs> I am glad to be here with you. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> I know you don't have the uh, British accent, but... Uh, or the look. <laughs> but your, your insights are, 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 are going to be very helpful today. Well, the, the, the conversation that we're wanting to have today um, is related to, to media and its role and how it informs our theology. And the reason we want to talk about this today is because here in a few short days, um, um, there's a couple of films that are hitting the market that's getting a lot of social attention. Netflix in particular is hosting um, these the, these films. One of them is a, is a docu, not a docu-series, a TV series, about 10 episodes. The other is a film. Uh, one of them is from a believer, a Catholic uh, believer. And what's the name of the series? Uh, so the, the first one is Messiah. It's a TV series on, on Netflix that is uh, uh, Leonardo de Filippis is the director of it. And uh, so he's a Catholic, a revert Catholic. So he you know grew up Catholic. He went left or something, came back. And, um, and he's, he's the one who's directing this film, trying to tell the story of Messiah. We'll get into that in a bit. There's another film coming up, clearly not from believers, because it's uh, called The Last Temptation of, of Christ or something like that. And it's telling the story of the possibility that Jesus was, in fact, um, a homosexual or struggling with that. And uh, anyway, it, it's blowing up all over social media and on the Internet. And people are, you know, calling for uh, getting rid of Netflix of accounts and, and all of these kinds of things. And it, it just begged the conversation. Since we are the Center for Biblical End Time Studies, we're staring at the chapters in the Bible where the primary message is the generation the Lord returns. It just it, be, it behooves us to get into it and say, yeah, OK, right, well, let's do it. How does media affect our theology? Should it? Does it? You know? And what should we do about it? So why don't we start with showing the trailer for Messiah uh, first, and then we can uh, begin that discussion for that film. He's come out of nowhere, and we don't know who he is. What do we know about him? He's leading desperate people. So this is a cult? We don't know who he's associated with. He could be creating an army. Or he could be leading them to their death. What are you doing in Syria? Delivering a message. A message from whom? My father. And who is your father? We've lost it. What do you mean? He just disappears. No one just disappears. We all witnessed a miracle. He saved. My daughter's life. You need to see this. Bury it for as long as you can. He didn't just click his heels and end up here. He clearly had help. You get around Syria, Israel, Texas. It's the nature of my work. And what is that work? God's work. Who do you think he is? You didn't see what I saw. And if I did, would I be calling in the second coming? How far will this new movement spread? I'm going to find out everything about you.
is. It's pretty compelling. I mean, My goodness. The music kind of grabs you. No, everything. <laughs> so so this this particular uh, TV series is directed by Leonardo de Filippis. And I kind of did a little bit of research because I'm trying to understand who's who's creating this and why. You know, there's the Passion of the Christ. You have Mel Gibson really loudly talking about why he's doing that film. And so 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 this is a revert Catholic. Uh, he founded St. Luke Productions 32 years ago, so he's not he's not new to the media industry. Uh, but he's been writing, acting, and producing plays and short films for DVD on um, on the lives of different saints like St. Francis, uh, the pa Passion according to uh, Luke, St. Augustine, St. John of the Cross, the Gospel according to John. Anyway, the, the guy's very involved in depicting um, the stories of church history, of, of the scriptures through plays, through creative means. But he he's, um, he's the guy who's kind of behind this this um this new this new uh tv series and basically it's a cia officer that investigates a man attracting international attention and uh and the followers through acts of public disruption they call it public disruption which I, I find interesting and uh the cia agent agent embarks on a global high stakes mission to uncover whether he is of a, a divine entity or a deceptive con artist very compelling my goodness! It's like you want to you want to listen to this, <laughs> kind of watch it, but but the reason and, and there'll oh, be ten or twelve sessions in the series, or we don't know for sure. Well, I I, I found two numbers. It looks like from um uh, one website says it's ten episodes, another one says eight episodes. But the point is, it's it's at least eight, and uh, just telling the stories, different messianic prophecies of the Bible that get fulfilled, um and and those kinds of things. And it's fine. I found it interesting because. Um, you know, the Muslim community is also tapping into this conversation since, as you know, they, they believe in Jesus as, and they believe in an in a antichrist or they believe in a messianic figure, the divine state coming into play at the end. And so they're, they're, they're actually giving their perspective on this. You know? so, so there's a lot going on in the story. Some are saying, is this the antichrist that they're depicting or is it Jesus? It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, you know, one thing that I found when I was doing a little bit of research about this is like how much response there is from the Muslim people with their YouTube channels, you know, the ways that they can come out and give their opinions and their beliefs. They're already, the, the show hasn't even come out and there's already so much response from the Muslim world. and, and Positive or negative? Uh, well, it, they're just sharing what they... But are they saying this is horrible or they're, they're saying this is interesting? They're, they're saying it's interesting, but they do believe in an antichrist, uh, some some kind of false messiah. So they're saying, um, yeah, we, we've got to you know keep our eyes open because when he comes, well, he will deceive. It's very similar to the Christian narrative. And so I just find it so interesting that they're, they're so loud out there already. You know, so yeah, and it, the, the what I find interesting um, is is that that you know I feel I feel like the the director because we haven't watched nobody's watched it it's not released yet right you just got the trailer you got the information and so since the director is a Catholic it seems like he's depicting the real Messiah Jesus Jesus Christ the Son of God. Um, but from the Islamic perspective, they believe that the Antichrist shows up on the scene first, and then later um, uh, the Messiah, the true genuine Jesus, will descend down and defeat and kill the Antichrist, which we believe. <laughs> Wait, and the Muslims think his name is Jesus? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Muslims believe in Jesus. Of course, they believe that. No, they believe Jesus is the one coming to defeat the Antichrist. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I didn't, but I didn't but under Muhammad, and you know, it's it's uh, it's of course, if you understand the history of Islam, which I, you've done a lot of research on. Of course, we have we have Joshua Lingle, Doctor Lingle, who who does a lot of work on Islamic studies as well. Uh, the the they they believe in Jesus. They just don't believe he's the Son of God. Right, they believe he's a as a good prophet, a a, a man, a, and even has a title. They give it to him uh, of Messiah, but they believe in an antichrist called Al Masih Ad Dajjal or something like that. And so they're they're experiencing this conversation as well because we're you know both Muslims and Christians are looking forward and and the Jew, Jews as well looking forward to a true uh, messia messianic uh, figure appearing on the scene, and so. Uh, thank you to this man who um, uh, who created this TV series because it's getting us talking about it. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't have an opinion about whether it's helpful or destructive because we haven't seen it. Yeah, that's right. But the one benefit of it, even if it is completely off the wall, is that it will create an energized global conversation. Yeah. And therefore, people will have strong opinions, and eventually they will say, where do you get your convictions at? And some people will say, well, it's only logical. And others will say, it's in the Bible. Then the Bible narrative will start, will be energized in a whole new way in a global conversation, not even just a national one. Yeah. So that biblical narrative conversation is critical. Yeah. So even if the enemy is behind this this whole thing, I don't know anything about it. The Lord is going to use it for the enhancing and the increasing of the global conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I remember we've had a conversation before, particularly about the Left Behind series. You know, it's a it's a, a focus on pre-tribulation rapture. But they, they made all kinds of books and movies and it... And, and I've heard you say, like, actually helped uh, help the conversation. Yeah, our, our position here at, at uh, International House of Prayer at CBETS, the Center for uh, Biblical End Time Studies, is that we are historic premillennials. So right. we believe in a literal fulfillment of prophecy and a literal millennium. And the historic means we believe the church will be here during the tribulation, but it will be actually a time of victory for the church yeah. and that God will use the church as agents and vessels of his power against darkness. And so the left behind series is, is pre-tribulation, right? Pre-millennial yeah. <laughs> and we're historic pre-millennial. And so they believe you're gone beforehand. And I, I think that's, a, that's, I know a lot of folks who believe that. And I think it's, and they love Jesus and, yeah. they, and they're scholars and they love the Bible and they're godly and, but I think that's a very, very serious error. The reason, because if the body of Christ is assuming we will be gone and we're not, many are going to be very offended at the Lord. Right. They're going to not trust the Bible. They're not going to trust their Christian heritage. They're not going to, it's going to have a real negative impact when they wake up one day and we are here. Totally. totally. If they're buying in wholly that we're not here. So I think it's a, Again, real godly people love Jesus, love the word, scholars, a lot of great things. I got a lot of respect and affection for different ones that hold it. But that I don't want to be shy about saying this is a dangerous, dangerous error, right. in my opinion, because it's going to leave the church completely unprepared in many ways. But having said that, some big number, like 70 million, I'm doing that from memory from years ago, yeah. books are, were sold on, on the Left Behind series. Is that a right number? I don't know. 70 or 80 million, maybe 100 yeah, by yeah. now, I don't know. <laughs> but 
it's way at the top of the list. It's one of the top best-selling series in history. Yeah. And my point being is in the 80s and 90s or whenever it was going, millions of people in the comfort of their Western world in their armchair, they read the story entertained. They became familiar with the storyline and the terminology in the Bible. The only thing, I don't know about the only thing because I never read the books, (laughs) but the main thing that was missing is that they thought they were gone. But they're learning the biblical terms and I'm assuming a number of accurate biblical events are in those stories. And so all they got to do now is shift over to we're here. And they're a lot more familiar with the Bible. So, you know, in the 80s, 90s, again, I can't really remember when it came out because there's been a number of films in the 80s and 90s about this. I was a little annoyed going, people are being tricked. (laughs) But now 2020, that whole group that was 30 is now 60 or 70. I went, wait a second, a whole group, a generation became familiar with biblical terminology related to the end times that they knew nothing about before that series. So I look back over and say, Lord, you actually really used it. (laughs) I'm actually, you know, I don't know exactly how I feel about it entirely, but I do see the benefit of it. Sure, sure. And I see that as well, you know, because... And and in this case, with this new new film that's coming out, you know, the Messiah, on the, um, the Messiah, yeah. It, well, it's the the TV series. Um, it's gonna do the same thing. I mean, already seems like it. Yeah, what we're hearing just on the internet, social media, and all of these different things, the 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 traffic around talking, even the term Messiah is everywhere. You know, like. It's but what really it's gonna cool. do in the dialogue? It's gonna create arguments, heated debates. Totally. But that will engage a lot of folks, but it's going to expose a biblical foundation all over the body of Christ. Because the average believer that I know, they know four or five points about the end times out of a hundred. And they are very illiterate on the majority of the points. He's coming in a trumpet, you know, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be transformed. We're going to cut up, meet the Lord of the air. Okay, we got that. Uh, It's going to be amazing. Okay, we got that. What else? Uh... There's an antichrist, but we're not going to see him, but he'll be there. What's he do? Mark of the beast. So who cares? One or two and one or two more points. But my point being the body of Christ wholesale, the vast majority are illiterate of the biblical narrative. As we have emphasized over and over in our world here in Kansas city in the, in the IHOP KC world at CBETS, is the 150 chapters in the Bible. There's 150 chapters in the Bible of which the primary topic is the generation the Lord returns. That's a staggering number, 150 chapters. That's a staggering amount of information. That is the biblical narrative contained in those 150 chapters. Of course, there's distinctions in every chapter, but lots of overlap. But uh, if you take the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, add them up together, that's 89 chapters. Right. 150 chapters about a second, about events, positive and negative, related to the generation he returns. Yeah. Same Bible, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, but most of the church knows the trumpet's going to blast, going to be twinkling in the eye, we're going to be transformed, we're going to be lifted in the air, the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. And a few other things. <laughs> it's only the scratching the surface of the biblical narrative. And these kind of films, even if the intent is bad, even yeah, if yeah, it's yeah, yeah. being led by deceptive, I don't even know. You know, totally. I don't. I don't know what any of uh, of the authors of this, the producers, are about. It is going to expose the biblical uh, illiteracy of many in the body of Christ, yeah. and and I like that because they're not happy 
They're, the, most believers don't know they're illiterate about the subject. Right. They think, well, well, I got the main points down. And you ask them, and they only got a two or three, actually. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to start digging deep because they're going to be debating. Yeah. The debate's going to engage them at the heart level, yeah. and they are not going to want to lose. And then they're going to have more debates when more information comes out, and then more debates. And But at the end of the day, the biblical narrative is going to get airtime like never before. Yeah, no, and I love that you're seeing it that way, because I, I agree. I think that, that that's what particularly is going to happen, what, what always happens in flashpoints like this, you know? And, and I'm just excited that someone's talking about, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is the, the different points. And we talk about the glorious return of our king a lot here in our community. And you just recently, uh, this past, you know, this past uh, uh, module, yeah. and oh. this Wednesday in particular, yeah, you touched on Revelation 21, 22. Yeah, the New Jerusalem coming down to the earth. And, oh, that's amazing, and, isn't it? And, yeah, it's beautiful. And you know what I find is most of the church is still focused on, I'm going to die and go to heaven. And what you detailed in, in Revelation 20, 21 and 22 is how actually heaven's coming, coming down, down to the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so we're going to be transformed, meet them in the air somehow, but we're going to be here on yes. the planet. Yes. And and so I think, I mean, if, if, if the church begins to get a vision of that, it, it would change the conversation much quicker. Because much it will seem more relevant because a lot of believers have this kind of ominous idea they're going to be floating on a cloud playing a harp you know kind of <laughs> yeah. in the distance waving at their friends you know a mile away hi bro and he's playing a harp on the cloud and we're yeah. floating in isolation you know totally and they're thinking wow i don't know that's you know it sounds i guess i want to be in heaven i want to worship but really yeah, the, yeah. what the but the biblical narrative makes it clear heaven is coming down to earth yeah. the new jerusalem we will live in the new jerusalem born again believers with resurrected bodies but our assignment will be on the millennial earth. And then after that, our assignment will be on the new earth. Yeah. But either way, our assignment, we live in the new Jerusalem, but we have an earthly assignment. Yes. People go, how does that work? Well, I said, well, angels can trans can, can move from the heavenly realm, the third heavens are in God's presence to the earth really quickly. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's going to be a problem, the transportation problem of <laughs> yeah. our house in the New Jerusalem or what we call our mansions sure, sure. and our assignment in one of the cities of the earth. Isn't that awesome? Man, it just makes me... I mean, angels have those assignments right now. There's angels involved in all the cities of the earth, but their residence, if you want to use that word, is up in heaven with God. Yeah. But they work down here. Yeah, that's... So we're all aware of that, but it's bizarre to think we could be in that kind of parallel position in the future. Yeah, and I and again, again, when when you stare at the scriptures and the 150 you, chapters, right. not not one or two verses here or there. Yeah, and that's the thing—you discover all of these dense truths that bring us hope. And I want to say, people don't know, need to know the whole 150 chapters. That's not my point. My point is, though, there's a lot of biblical information, and many of the chapters confirm what's in other chapters. Of the 150, many of them will confirm what's in five or ten others, but not mention what's happened in a hundred others. Yeah. And you got to put the whole puzzle together. Yeah. Or I don't want to call it a puzzle. I don't think of it as trying to, you know, like a little matrix, trying to figure it all out. Sure. Because it's a narrative. It's a beautiful narrative, not just a Bible Jeopardy puzzle we're putting together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that you say that, Mike, because it really, that's what the Lord is after. God is after that relationship that we would come and be part of this story. It's not figuring out all the answers. It's not having all the, the passages memorized, having the right answers. It's about knowing our God as Father, finding our place in the story, and and the, living a life of discovering yes, Him, yeah. falling in love with, the, with, with God, with the man, Christ Jesus. And yeah. 
Um, yeah, I love that that you say that because I think that's something that we want to portray and want to invite people into yeah. into their identity as the bride of Christ, as a son and a daughter, that they have a place that they don't have to be moved by whatever social media is saying about God, but that they can find a, a place and be rooted and grounded in in their identity in in God and through discovering truth in the Bible. And so, yeah, no, I, that's so well said. I, I well think, said. I think when I when I think about you know how we understand theology, because ultimately we're answering that question. You know, like how should media interact with our theology? And I find that we get most of our of our theology through the songs that we sing, which is a form of media, and through the movies that we watch, actually, and the social media that we are browsing. And so if we're singing songs from different worship movements across the body of Christ, even ones that love Jesus, but the songs are coming out of their journal, not out of the Bible. That's a lot of worship songs are coming out of people's journals. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, And they're not coming from the scripture, but a lot are coming from the scripture and a lot are mixed. Yeah. And so if we are not grounded in the word, and we're taking our theology from movies, novels, and worship songs that aren't based in the Bible, that are that's still well-meaning, right. but still, well-meaning is not quite enough. I like well-meaning, but there's more than well-meaning. There's biblical accuracy, yeah, totally. faithfully to the scripture. And so, and again, going back to the 150 chapters is that some start wanting to put the puzzle together so they know it all. And I yeah, tell them, sure. man, we're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to win hearts to the beautiful man Jesus, fully God, fully man, who's bridegroom, king, and judge, and coming back Come with on. the most glorious story imaginable. Yeah, yeah. It's not Bible Jeopardy games. It's way more than putting a puzzle together. <laughs> that's a good, because that's kind of what it's turned into in some circles, right? I mean, we even struggle sometimes with you get all these facts, and it's like, nope, nope, it's this, and and but it's not, it's not Bible Jeopardy. It is we're getting to peer into the most glorious story ever told. Yes. I love that now. Uh, okay, so one of the things you mentioned made me think of the FOLD acronym, right? Yes. We talked about it before, but I'd love for you to touch on it again because if you don't embrace the biblical narrative, you will by default embrace the secular narrative. Yes, exactly Which right. gives into this the fear, offense, lust, and deception. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yes. We, we, we use an acronym. It's, it's probably not the best acronym, but it's the best one we can come up with. <laughs> That's what we got. F for fear, O for offense, L for lust, and D for deception. And we wanted an acronym so people could remember it easy. And the point of it is Jesus gave four negative responses. These are from his mouth. Yeah. And he gave these responses undoubtedly to be applied for 2,000 years of church history, undoubtedly. Sure. But the primary time frame would be the generation he came. Okay. He said there would be people, if you don't know the biblical narrative, is the presupposition of what he's saying. I mean, he didn't say that term. But if you don't know the biblical uh, narrative of what's happening, particularly when the negative increases, people are going to take the secular narrative. And the secular narrative is going to be wrong. And it's going to create an amazing amount of fear. Because it's going to look like the train of history is off the track and nobody's leading history. It's not going anywhere positive. So Jesus said, men will faint for fear. And when people become fearful, I'm talking about believers, not just unbelievers, both and. They make terrible decisions. A person that's fearful makes terrible spiritual decisions. Or financial or relational, you make terrible decisions. 
The Lord wants us to know his leadership and what the Bible says. So instead of fear, we have confidence. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're filled with confidence. We go, wait a second. Our God is leading this. This is going somewhere. There's some negative things that we'll face, but we are going somewhere glorious. Come on. So F, fear. O is offense. Jesus said, and many will be offended. He said that in Matthew 24. Now people will be offended at one another for sure, and that's what it means, but it also means people will be offended at God. Yeah. Because folks that have this wrong narrative that the negative is not going to increase, but the positive is going to increase too. But if people only talk about the positive, when the negative increases, many believers going, wait, my Bible teachers deceived me or the Bible's not true. I didn't think it was increasing. I was never taught that. I was taught we wouldn't be a part of that. They're going to be mad at the church use the word offended, they're going to be offended at God's leadership. Yeah. How could a God of love let this happen? And they're not going to make sense of it. And when you're offended at God, you can't grow in love for God. You can't totally. grow in the first commandment. Totally. You can't love him with all your heart when you're mad at him. Right. F-O-L. L is the term we use for lust. Jesus actually talked about Luke 21. Drunkenness and immorality. Dissipation is right. one of the terms, but it's immorality plus some. And other things as well. Drunkenness and immorality. I'll just highlight that. But the, the list is bigger than that. Sure. That people will certainly, there's a longing for sinful pleasure. Yeah. That's a point in itself, but that's not the point I'm making. That's for another day to make that point. People will engage in immorality, drunkenness, and drugs, and mind-altering substances in order to medicate the pain they're in. It's self, they're seeking to escape pain, so they're self-medicating. Yeah. The pain, the the fear, and the offenses will get so intense, people will just dive into immorality, drunkenness, drugs, whatever. I got to escape for tonight. I'm in so much anxiety right now. I just got to take the night off. And that will be repeated over and over. And so lust is going to really increase, not just for the love of it, but the escapism that's involved in it. Plus, there's people that love, you know, whatever. That's another point. And then D, deception. Uh, deception, people think, uh, Jesus said this really ominous statement. He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, many, it says many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Jesus doesn't put many twice in one verse. I don't think anywhere in the Bible. Wow. One time, as far as I know, the word many is twice. Wow. I mean, talking about the, the, the conditions of negativity of the end times, he goes, many false prophets will deceive many. Now, People think of a false prophet as a guy with horns and, you know, beady eyes, shifty eyes, and ha, 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 I got you. I'm tricking you. No, I think uh, false prophets are, I mean, there undoubtedly will be a few of those, uh, those kind of weird people, but it's people that have a false narrative of what's happening in the culture. They have a completely narrative that goes against the biblical narrative. Mm. They'll be cool. They'll have dynamic personalities. They'll be good looking, great with technology. And they'll be presenting a narrative. It's a false narrative. That's the deception. Not very many people are going to buy into the guy with horns with shifty eyes. Right. But the cool, really sharp, popular, charismatic, good-looking social, na- <laughs> you know, commentators. commentators yeah. But a lot of those guys and gals are in the church, and a lot of them are outside the church. A lot of believers, a lot are not believers, but they've got a narrative that doesn't agree with the Bible. Yeah. The biblical narrative of what's going to happen, the positive is is amazing. There's nothing like it. The glory of God is going to increase. The greatest revival in human history is going to happen before the Lord returns. That part's cool. But the negative narrative, 
It is politically incorrect. Yeah. And the culture is not going to take hold of that negative narrative. They're going to say, no, that's anti-God. That's anti-who Jesus is. And a lot are going to get deceived. The problem is when you get deceived, you make really bad decisions like fear. Yeah. You embrace wrong economic systems, embrace wrong relational dynamics, you, embrace, you support wrong uh, truths that you're promoting, you're vocalizing the wrong ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, deception is... De Jesus, in Matthew 24, the major passage, which he talked on the end times, not the only one, but the major one, the biggest one, he talked more about deception than persecution or tribulation. Yeah. We're more concerned with persecution and tribulation. He said deception is way more serious because persecution and tribulation, you die and you die and you have a resurrected body <laughs> and you're okay. That's but true. deception, if you buy into that, you end up in a dark place forever and forever and forever if you go all the way into that deception. Yeah. No, and, and I love that you 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 pointed that out because, you know, he says that right things will be called uh, wrong and the wrong things will be called right. Yeah, Isaiah says that, yeah. yeah. They'll call good, evil good and good evil. Right. They'll all be mixed up. Totally. And and when I think of, of that, when I, when I think of that possibility of the marriage also being, uh, you know, annulled or whatever, I think, I think. Well, it's talking about First Timothy chapter four, verse three, uh, verse two and three says marriage will be forbidden yeah, in various yeah. parts of the world. So forbidden, annulled, but forbidden, yeah. forbidden, legally forbidden, not everywhere. There will be places that forbid marriage because of all the confusion and the argument about rights and marriage yeah. and economic dimensions and inheritances and all that. They'd say, let's just get rid of marriage. Totally. And and that's it, you know, because marriage is God's idea to reveal himself as the bridegroom. I mean, he yeah. gives us that that living. And the family dynamic. Yeah. yeah and the family dynamic. The Yeah. So I, I, I just, when I think of deception, that is the scariest slippery slope that none of us are exempt from if we don't buy oil, refine the fire. I mean, that's the, you know, the, the, the command that comes right after Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is get oil, get oil, because this is the only way and the oil is the tenderized heart, but based on the biblical narrative and encountering the bridegroom God, who is Jesus. Yeah. In fact, I just, uh, there's so much to say about this, but I remember you did a four part series uh, called End Times for Beginners a while ago. We're yes. going to put that link on here good, so good. that you get access to it. If you're curious to learn more about the biblical narrative just in a simpler way, uh, we're going to give you that course for free. You just access this link and you can find it. But Yeah, it's a four-part series. On the One is the overall. Number two is the negative people and events. The third one is the positive people and events. And then the fourth one is some of the time frames and how they work from the biblical point of view. That's right. And so I, I really love that you did that because it really informs this, which leads me to my last statement because deception's huge. You know, we were talking about that. Because no one deceived thinks they're deceived. That's the problem. That, that is the problem. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, a guy that's being, you know, addicted to lust, he knows it. He goes, ugh. Yeah. A guy filled with fear knows it. He can't go to bed at night. His belly's anxious. He yeah. can't sleep. You know, the guy offended same way. His his stomach is in churning. Yeah. But the guy in deception, he's like, hey, I'm good. Yeah. And, and, and the challenge with that, too, is that if if you're deceived, then you can give into lust in a weird way. If you're deceived, you can, you know, you give it Because to you others. think it's part, hey, this is what the Lord wants. Yeah, exactly. He's not against this stuff. Yeah. And we're actually seeing a lot of that already happen. But uh, so I want to talk about this other film that talks about Jesus as a homosexual. And I mean, I, it's terrible. It's just horrible. But. I look, I look at the, the biblical narrative, and it's not, I mean, we're, the church rightly is, dislikes this, but it's going to get way worse than making fictional films yes. about our, 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 our Lord. I mean, it's, it's going to be full-on persecution. Again, we talked about deception and all that. Well, the book of Revelation and several other places, well, book of Daniel, say that, that at the end there's going to be great blasphemy against the Lord. 
around the earth blasphemy, not just air, blasphemy. Yeah. And the, the, the problem with a film like that, well, there's a bunch of problems with a film like that, but one of them <laughs> is, one of them is the liberty that people have to make up the biblical story to inter, inter, interject their ideas and multitudes go, wow. It's on film. It must be right. (laughs) We can't tamper with the written word of God. It's the final authority of faith and practice. We cannot tamper with the final authority of the the written word of God. And so whatever film, some are more blasphemous than others. Some are more gross than others. Some are more subtle than others. But the giant point is the authority of the word of God is our anchor. Anything that deviates from that, we say no. I don't care what level of blasphemy it is. It's no, right. we're not for that. Right. And that's what we're seeing develop right now is that people are putting more stake in what social commentators are saying than what the scriptures say. Because some of those social commentators are pastors of churches. Right. And, so- and they do have a, a biblical knowledge and some real experiences, but they're deviating because it's popular. They're getting more applause, more likes, more engagement of people. And they're going, hey, this is working. But it's a slippery slope. It's a terrible trajectory. Five and 10 and 20 years, some of those guys are not going to be happy the slope that they're on. Yeah. So after this conversation, as we're bringing this to a close, I'm, I'm sensing that because, you know, like media has power. Music has power. I mean, I, I heard Dwayne Roberts one time tell me, like, Ruben, write us, you know, get in the prayer room for five years and, and write songs because they'll remember one song 20 years later. They may not remember my sermon, you know, and he's that's, like, that's true. The importance of, 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 of music and media is, is incredibly important. But we also need to be aware that we that the majority of our church is being influenced by that. So we can contribute as believers into the conversation with artistic projects, media projects, films, all kinds of things like that, right? But at the same time, we got to beware and and go back to the source. What does this book say, you know? This is our anchor for for us to have a living relationship with Jesus, to know him by the Holy Spirit and read his word and and understand what it's really saying. I think that's the ultimate thing that I'm hearing from you is like, yeah, these films might be inspiring, but they cannot be the law. Well, I don't even know if inspiring. There might be interesting, <laughs> yeah. interesting, and yeah. maybe not even inspiring. Right. It's all kinds of, right. It intriguing. Intriguing. Entertaining. Or, or, or completely like. Yeah. A lot of folks will get entertained then get hooked by the spirit of darkness. And- yeah. Yeah. And so that's, cha- that's so challenging. So I think, you know, again, I, and I want to invite you to that, that free course. Also, uh, also we, uh, another thing here soon, we've already opened registration, but you're getting into the final module um, of this first six semesters where we went through each of the 150 chapters and we're entering into the Psalms and the Pentateuch and uh, the Old Testament has a lot to say about the return of yeah, Jesus. Our, our C, part of our CBETS ministries, we're taking all these 150 chapters in 90 Wednesday nights, we're covering all 150, sometimes two chapters in a night, yeah. obviously. And it's taken us six semester-long modules, six 15-week modules to do all 90 chapters. And every module self-contained. Yeah. And we've got a lot of folks that are going through all six of them. And uh, some are jumping in, module five in, in February, for the very first week of February, we start our sixth module. But in August, we go back to module one. Yeah. And we're going to do them all again. 
yeah. by the grace of God. And that's exciting because then we get into Isaiah, which is so oh, dense with return, you know, returning into the cycle. Anyway, I just want you guys to know, our listeners, that we exist to empower you to understand, to live, and to share this message, this glorious message of, of Jesus' return, the complete good news of Jesus, not just to save us and redeem us into a new way of life, but that he has a plan to restore all things, to resolve all the pain, and to end evil forever. And so we want to give you those tools. So we're going to put those links on here. Of course, if you want to check out our other podcast and you haven't yet, we are on so many different platforms, both video on YouTube and Facebook, but also on any podcast outlet out there like Spotify or iTunes podcast. So we want to make you aware of that. And uh, I'm excited because we're a few days away from the new year. So we just want to wish you a happy new year and that you would have a great time with your family and friends. Enjoy as we- Jesus and share him with your family, your friends, and just revel in the glory of God. That's right as we as we look to that day of his glorious appearing okay well we'll see you next week peace amen